Tag Luna. <laughs> what language is that? Is that is that German? German. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Spokity Deutsch. Uh, something about sprockets on a bike. Is that what you just said? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't speak French. You just said it was German. Oh, I, I was I speaking? I was speaking French. Well, no, I was just letting you know I don't speak French as well. Oh, we're so, off to a hot start here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I got a question for you. Sure. Hey, Luna. Hey. Hey, do you think... <laughs> do you think you have any extra kids out there in the world? <laughs> I I hope not. I, I, I Okay, it, no. The answer is no. Okay. Do you? I don't. Uh, uh, from the way I recognize the the requirements to produce a kid, I can confidently say, based on the birds and bees, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I lived a pretty I lived a pretty sedate life prior to any legal binding relationships I I entered into. So right, right. Um, well, I'm happy about that. Okay. I, you, you have know, a chastity take... belt, unless you're married. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big old iron one with a lock on it. But it takes two people uh, to unlock it. One is my significant other, and the other is my mother. She's going to be there. She's got to approve. It's kind of awkward. All right, but, go, go for it, know. son. <laughs> <laughs> keeps the uh, Keeps the extra kids out there in the world at bay, so, you know. Right. Good. Mm-hmm. I have one more question for you. Sure. Hey, Luna. Hey. Hey, have you ever broken a lady's heart out there in the world? Uh, I th- yeah. <clears throat> I think so. I mean, it sounds conceited, assuming that I did, but I def- certain. yes, yes. Yeah. Do you want to know the details of that? I, if you want to share, or yes, it's fine. But the details would be since we're on since we're on an entertainment esque <laughs> podcast. That might you know. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, there was a time in my life where, oh god, there there was there was a few, and um, the one particular girl was crazy. Uh-huh. And I was living in a house, well, I mean, she was mentally unstable. Is that a better way to put it? Oh, I thought you were saying like crazy for you. Crazy. Oh, no, 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 you. no. Well, maybe, yes, but also crazy for in every other facet of her life. Mentally ill. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And she broke, we locked the door. I lived with a couple of guys and we locked the door at night. And she uh, broke in through a window in the basement and came up, and I I was like at that time paired of a few things, but I had my door locked to my room too, and I hear this knocking on my door, mm. and I unlock it, which is crazy because like you lock the door for this exact situation, right? <laughs> right. But as long as you knock, I'm gonna open it. 
<laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> so I it could literally be a Sasquatch out there, and you're going to, oh, hello? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for knocking. Right. <laughs> yes, as long as I'm very polite of you. You can kill me now. And so I opened the door. It's like three in the morning, and she's drunk and high and crazy and rushes into the room, and she's hitting me and yelling at me because I had broken up with her. And uh, I... I kind of grab her and I get her out of the room and my friends all wake up and they come and they help me escort her out of the house. Mm. And um, she ends up calling the police on me saying that I assaulted her, which I did not. And wow. so, so the next morning the police come to my house and they're like, okay, we got this call from her. It's the girl. I won't say her name. Um, she says that you assaulted her last night. I'm like, I didn't. They're like, okay, we didn't see that she had anything. She seems a little unstable. I'm like, she is. She's like, okay, she also said that you were a drug dealer. Oh, no. And that you have a lot of marijuana in your freezer. <laughs> and I, in fact, did have a lot of marijuana oh, no. in my freezer. And I was a drug dealer. <laughs> so they had no reason to come in and check on her, right? I was like, I'm not. Like, she's it's bananas. Like, this is ridiculous. And thankfully, the cops were kind of like... Um, sympathetic to the situation because they'd already talked to her and realized that she was nuts. Mm. But, I, uh, you know, a couple of days later, I keep on getting these phone calls from her and she's claiming that she's pregnant. And oh. She's not. I, I, she, she, I, I See, this is why it was difficult almost for me to answer that first question because I don't know if she actually was or not. But, okay. but because I blocked her number and then I ended up moving and went away and all that, there is a possibility that she was and I do have a crazy kid out there with a crazy girl <laughs> somewhere <laughs> but i really don't think that 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 she she was um it was kind of like a mind screw yeah, yeah, trying to do. yeah. And, I, and i contacted people that knew her afterwards and said that it's not the case but yeah that mm. was that was a that was a wild situation how about wow, you that's crazy yeah uh okay so i'm gonna sound terrible mm-hmm. i'm gonna sound like a terrible person um, before I was married, I was dating, I, I, I had started dating this girl and she was so, uh, she was so prepared for life. Like she was on a track in college. I was like a mess. You know, I was like working at some electronics store. It was, you know, mm-hmm. I was just barely getting life started and this gal had it all together like she had a she was a paralegal uh you know as a job on the side and she was she had her trajectory figured out and we started dating and i've always been a relationship dater i've never been a just want to have fun let's see where things go kind of dater (laughs) um but so i started dating her and the vibe off the front was i was like i am not in your league Right. You know, I'm not. And she, and she, you know, I think she kind of knew it. And so things started out and it was very much, I, I don't know if it was even it was sort of unspoken that, you know, I, she was just so, she was so going places. And we, and, and it was the first time in my life I was ever like, wow. And it wasn't because I just wanted to, you know, have fun and sample the waters uh or what is so out no because i wasn't you know having sexual relations or anything play the field so whatever yeah playing the field there you go 
drinking the, from the water of various fields. Um, uh, and, and so it just was sort of inferred, I think, that that this wasn't serious enough, you know, that right. like for some reason she was just giving me a, a, a chance and it was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never felt like sort of unqualified to be with somebody, but I did. I did feel unqualified. Like I, I, I felt like I was 18 years old and I had come across a, a lawyer and uh, for some reason, she was just okay having me over for Chinese food all the time, and you know, good converse. It was we. I, I, I felt I felt subordinate. I guess was a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of chalked it up to that. I was like, I don't know how long this is going to last, but it's kind of fun. I mean, she's always got something interesting to talk about because she actually does real life things. Mm-hmm. And then I tell her about my day trying to convince some old man to buy a Pentium three processor. <laughs> how old were you again? Uh, let's see. I was probably 24. Yeah. All right. You know, I was just getting left. I had also spent two years on a mission. So I, I was, I was, you know, life was just getting rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, I had sideburns and, you <laughs> know, you, the things- wait, 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 hold on a second. <laughs> you had sideburns. <laughs> I think sideburns I are the most, I mean, I'm not attracted to men, but if I was, I wouldn't be attracted to a man with sideburns. Well, I had sort of a Morrissey kind of look going. So it was, you know, it fit, I guess. My whole wardrobe was like jeans and white t-shirts. You know, I was was a pretty basic kid. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so, yeah, so we're dating and it it felt very, like, surreal and casual. Like, 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 I literally was like, I can't, this isn't serious because she's so out of my league. Like, Mm -hmm. I was just waiting for her to be like, hey, by the way, I, <laughs> I, I went out a couple times with this guy, Bill, from the office. And, well, you know, right. where you're at and where Bill's at, uh, right? And I'm like, right. Yeah, I was just waiting. Yeah, I was just waiting for you to get to there. Okay, that's fine. So we'll see you around. You know, I just didn't put, invest much. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and, and the, then I was at work and this, this coworker, she was like, I have a friend. And she is a teacher and she is an absolute doll. And I think you guys would be great. And I, I my reflex was, no, I, I, I no, I'm, I'm kind of dating somebody. And, and so she, uh, she, you know, let it alone. And then a little while later she came back, she's like, will you just go to lunch with her? And I was like, okay, yeah, it's fine. I went to lunch with her and she was amazing. Like, okay, a couple things. Uh, she was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a third grade teacher, which I don't know, for some reason kind of tugs at your heartstrings. I was just like, man, that's so sweet. Right. And then on top of that, like her family was dead. Like her parents were dead. Like she had no siblings. I was just like, this beautiful third grade teacher comes out of nowhere and is like enamored with me. And it was weird. Like it felt accessible. You know, it felt, it felt, like I was like, wow, this is crazy. Man, those so, sideburns were really coming through for you. At this they time. were. I was rocking it. You know, every every sad, you know, macaroni and sorrow song from Morrissey was just, you know, yeah. working. Huh. Maybe I'll, no, I don't need the sideburns. Something to grab yeah. onto, I suppose. Yeah, it's something, especially if you get the like the Yiddish ones going, like some <laughs> curls, and you know, get some substance there. Uh, it's also a conversation starter. Uh, but anyway, so then this weird thing happened. I was I was asked to sing the national anthem 
at a semi-pro basketball game, which <laughs> sounds really amazing. No, it, it was, it was, it was exactly like it sounds. It was not that big of a deal, but it was in a stadium, you know, it was like in a, you know, basketball arena or whatever. I don't know if it. it's exactly how it sounds. It sounds like a big deal. Well, it, I mean, I was flattered. It was the, it was the, uh, it was the Idaho Stampede, which was a semi-pro basketball team okay. uh, in the in the late 1900s, early <laughs> 2000s, I guess, too. Um, anyway, so I I was invited to sing the national anthem, so um, I I said yes, and and I I drove there uh, alone. I I went and sung the national anthem, <clears throat> and my the the lawyer. <laughs> Oh no! Showed showed up to watch me, and I, I thought that was awesome. Um, one for each sideburn, <laughs> killing it. So, I finished the anthem. I walk up into the stadium to find her, and I grab her, and we're walking out. I'm not going to stay for the game. Uh, I'm I'm above that. So uh, I'm walking out, and I walk past my coworker. Uh, and a friend of hers. And, uh, I was like, Hey, I didn't think anything of it. Right. Well, my coworker calls the third grade teacher and is like, guess who I just saw. And okay. So I, I, so just so I don't sound like a complete douche canoe, this was all happening within like a week and a half period. There's like that a week and a half overlap where I had gone to lunch with this girl. Um, and I had kind of maintained conversation with her, and we had we had gone out a couple times. So uh, are you all right? Yeah. What happened? Oh, it was the trigger for the. Hold on, let me solo that. You're getting pretty yeah. riled up telling this story. Your hair's all over the place. Your sideburns are growing back in. Your mustache just <laughs> fell off. This is really getting long in the tooth. So hopefully it's not boring. Um. Anyway, so the the coworker calls this the the third degree teacher. Like, Guess who I just saw are you guys still like dating or anything? And she's like, yeah, I kind of felt like it was going somewhere. I go back to work from singing the national anthem. <clears throat> I get a call from the, co- I, I get a call from the third grade teacher. And what I don't know is that the friend who's with the coworker knows the other girl. Oh God. And so lets me leave with the other girl. And she calls because she's been talking to the coworker. And she's like, hey, I was just talking to his coworker. And you might be in a weird situation. So within like a half hour, I'm back at the electronics store. The coworker has called the other. I've gotten a phone call from both of them. Ugh. And they both, they both dumped me. And it was just like a knife to the heart because they're both crying. They're both broke, you know. They were both very sad and I was, I hurt them. And one of them, oh, I'll never forget what she said. She said, you need help. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that hurts. And I felt, you know, I can try to justify it away and say, oh, well, you know, it was sort of a, this, you know, not serious one. And then one that was starting and it was just caught in the middle, but it, the optics on the whole thing, I was just, I looked terrible and, uh. And so you bastard. I went home. I went home that night to my apartment where I had an apartment with a bunch of other guys. Yeah. And selling drugs. This, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How'd you know? Um, and uh my one of my roommates was sitting on the couch and I 
I was telling him what happened and he's like, man, that sucks. So, uh, would you mind if I called <laughs> the third grade teacher? So he calls the third grade teacher. Like he totally like missed. There was no, didn't even give me a moment. Wow. And he contacts her. They start dating. They got married. They got married? They got married. Does he have sideburns? And then they, yeah. Does he? They got, they, no, he had actually no hair. Oh. Um, so they got married. They pooped out some kids. They had a long marriage. And then they got divorced. And I got a call. Oh, no, no. I got a message from the, the, the gal. Uh -huh. And she was like, uh, but I didn't know they were getting divorced or anything. And she messaged me. She's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know we're good. Oh. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I'm so, thank you so much. You don't know how much of a hole this has been in my heart. And, you know, so I'm just like, I'm like, thank you. You're such a big person. Thank you. I, you're, you're, I was a terrible. I don't mean like overweight. Uh, yeah, right. I was like, I was terrible. And I, I took what you said to heart and, you know, all this and so much time has passed and everything. And she's like, we're good. We're good. I just want to, you know, I want to reach. Can we be friends? And I was like, oh. yes, yes. And then like a month later, I find out that she got a divorce and then it kind of colored the the potential intentions of why she was reaching out right 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 she wanted to and, get back with hey. old mutton chops <laughs> but hey i i i i won't even go there i just i know i did a wrong i did her wrong i did i i was not good and that yeah so yeah i i actually broke two hearts you didn't do anything wrong by the way i i did i did i and i i will say you know like like the one, the, the lawyer girl, I told her that I went to lunch with this gal and I totally played it off. I was like, yeah, hey, it was fine. It's fine. She mm -hmm. just, she just kept asking to go. So finally I went to lunch and, you know, we were at dinner and uh, I remember it was like a couple days before the, the, the national anthem and we're sitting there and I'm trying to explain to her that I'm playing off this other dating situation. I'm like, yeah, she just keeps calling and everything. And she looks at me. She gets teary-eyed and she says, just tell her you're not interested. And I was like, okay. And then it was like two days later where this whole thing happened. And I was just like, you know, I kind of had this coming because I, I wasn't being fair, you know, wasn't. What a was story, man. Trying to be too kind. Yeah. Ups and downs. Hey, how did you do singing the national anthem? Did you nail it? Oh, I slayed it, slayed it. it there, I've got it recorded somewhere. It was, it was really good. I would love to really hear that. Good. If you have it recorded, please play it in the future. I'll try to find it somewhere. Um, but yeah. So anyway, nowadays, I all I do is make jingles for new podcasts. <laughs> wow. Hey, listen, give me one second. I actually have to go urinate. Uh, okay. I mean, masturbate because that story was so sexy. <laughs> I'll just be two seconds. Sorry, man. Okay. Sounds good. 3.28 a.m. All right, I'm back. I apologize for that. Oof, that was fine. I, I also relieved myself, but I have an absorbent, like, uh, pad on my chair, so. <laughs> I got to get one of those. I'm going to cut a hole in my chair. Well, I, I don't pee like a girl, so that wouldn't help. <laughs> <laughs> I just let it go. Set it and forget it. <laughs> uh, hey, actually, so really quick, I, I, I someone commented, um, on our social media on the 911 calls podcast Facebook group mm -hmm. which has 6700 followers in case you're interested in joining <laughs> um but somebody mentioned they said 
oh man, you've been hitting so close to home lately on the 911 calls. And I, I, I went back through them and I realized that I've been hitting Ohio really hard oh. lately. And I was like, wow, how is this happening? Why is this happening? Um, and then I realized what what's happened is I've become very well-versed in scouring the underbelly of the internet for 911 call audio. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll hit a pocket and it'll have multiple audio files, right? And so I will acquire those because it's public domain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I realized that this pocket of uh, 911 calls that I've been kind of going through lately is all from a source of 911 call audios from Ohio. <laughs> and so I felt kind of bad. I was like, oh man, I don't want to, you know, kind of. Makes seem like everything bad happens in Ohio. It's funny about <laughs> Ohio though, because I think a lot of bad things do happen in Ohio. I think a lot of true crime podcasts come out of Ohio. A lot, you know, it's a very diverse population. They've got some bigger cities for sure. Cleveland, Cleveland is Cincinnati. there. I think Cincinnati. the True Crime Garage is out of Ohio. I was actually um, a part of a marketing agency out of Columbus, Ohio at one point. I, I worked here locally uh, in, a, in, in a kind of a satellite office for them, but they were trying to grow their national presence. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of Ohio in my life, apparently. My, uh, my sister's super cool boyfriend, Mitch, He's from Ohio. He's great. That's good to know. So, yeah. Hi, Mitch. Hey, uh, let me give you a little tidbit on Ohio. Um, just about True Crime Garage. I mean, we're a two-man team, and, and True Crime Garage is like a trailblazer in, in True Crime podcasting. I, I looked up to True Crime Garage. I listened to a lot oh, yeah. of their podcasts before I started. Did you know that the captain and Nick of True Crime Garage are brothers? Really? Yeah, they're brothers, and they never said it for like the longest time, but it just kind of— Leaked dead over time. That's weird. Yeah, I reached out to the captain one time. I was like, hey, man, I gave you a, like a three-star review when you guys first started because I thought you were annoying. And now that uh, time has gone on, I'm the <laughs> annoying one on a podcast. I'm really sympathetic <laughs> to it. I wanted to thank you for being a trailblazer in the game. And blah, 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 blah. He never responded. Oh, the idea didn't. Oh, well, that's weird. That's crazy. Okay, maybe we should let people know. Something different about us that they didn't know before. <laughs> the guys from True Crime Garage are both brothers. Yeah, we're 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 homosexual partners. <laughs> Is that what you were gonna tell them? Oh no, we're still no, keeping that a secret. Okay, I wasn't gonna unreveal unreveal that one yet. Oh, okay, I was just gonna let people know because a lot of people listen. They they're like, oh, there's an accent there. Mm. I wanted everyone to. We're both white, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> yep. Crazy, unfortunately. So I became kind of self-conscious about um, that comment about Ohio. And I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, pound Ohio too hard. So um, today's story takes place in Pike County, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is I've been sitting on this one for a long time because it's very, it's very meaty. And I was lazy, and I think I was telling you, I was like, ugh, there's so much to this one. I put it off because it was just heavy, yeah. and I, I was like, okay. And so finally, I, I decided I'd, I'd round out our Ohio trip of, of terrible 911 calls with this one from Pike County, Ohio. 
It's fitting because the people from Ohio are pretty heavy too, from what I've heard. I don't know if statistically, if that's true. Uh, I do know, speaking of weight, mm-hmm. that the Wright brothers are from there and their plane was very light. So, Oh, so I might be wrong. You could be. I'm just saying, but, well, you know, it remains to be seen. Hmm. All right. I'll look that up. Fattest states. Not there's anything wrong with being overweight. I'm getting overweight myself. Guess how much I I'll, weigh. How much do you weigh? Take a guess. I'm going to say 220. What? That's too much, man. I weigh oh. I weigh 210 pounds, but like I'm 62. It's 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 a it's a yeah, lot of weight for big, me. I was like oh, you're a tall dude though. Hmm? I was Yeah, you are skinny though. I I guess I was get, feeling like I was giving you a compliment cuz I'm 260. Oh. <laughs> yeah, 62 so I've, I've just disrespected you <laughs> in my <laughs> outrage. My mom people. says I have big bones, so I'm just husky, my mom says. Okay, Ohio's not on the top 10 list, so I apologize, Ohio. Let me, can I take a guess on which number one is? Yep. I'm going to go with Mississippi. It is. It is Mississippi. Is it? I, I, I tell you, it, I think it's the dietary traditions of yeah. Comfort the food? area there. A lot of fried, mm. a lot of fried foods um, and a Man. lot of protein. I want to go through the states. I'm going to drive through the states one day once all this is over and I feel comfortable going back into your country again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, go through all those southern states and just eat all kinds of barbecue. I really uh, want to do that. It is so amazing. It is. And uh, the people are amazing. And I do know because I've lived in several cities in Mississippi. Anything that I see on like YouTube and stuff when I'm looking at food channels and barbecue and stuff. Yeah. Where I'm from, there's a lot of strip malls and you can go to a restaurant. It's pretty nice, but it's got a concrete parking lot out front of it. A lot of the places I've seen online is like, it's very like, it's got history to it. And yeah. it's still got like the same floorboards, you know, from a hundred years ago and all that. I want to go into one of those old barbecue places and check it out and meet the people. And I'd love to do that. I tell you, I, I'll tell you the barometer, the, 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 the stick by which you should measure barbecue places in in a lot of areas in the south you know you're in for good barbecue if it shows up at your table on white bread really okay yep sounds sounds like they're phoning it in but i tell you Mm. you know you're in for good barbecue if it shows up just on white bread all right keep that in mind yep also some of the worst barbecue i've had has also been on white bread so (laughs) i don't know what that says Mississippi was the only place in my whole life where I was offered food and I I put it in my pocket instead of eating it. Really? Why'd you do that? It was barbecue, but it was just straight fat in barbecue Uh, sauce. It was, I couldn't, I couldn't, I took one bite. I could not bring myself to eat it. And I had a raincoat on and I put the sandwich in my pocket, knowing I would just clean it out later. Only time I've ever done that. Okay. Well, a lot coming out of here. Mutton chops, and he likes to keep food in his pockets. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of Ohio, mm-hmm. back to Ohio. So, <clears throat> Pike County, Ohio is on the western edge of Appalachia. Um, that's a mountain range. And there lives a little lumber community there called Piketon. So, you know. Not a big stretch. Pike County, Piketon. Piketon literally would trans- translate to Pike Town. So there you go. Hmm. 
The industries that used to keep Piketon alive, though, have moved on, and many of its residents have as well. But many of the families that still call Piketon home have done so for generations. They're tight-knit, and they don't trust strangers easily. Even the Roden family, who've been in the community for 56 years, are still considered to be, quote-unquote, new residents of Piketon. Uh. Yeah, so Chris Roden and his eight siblings called Piketon home after being moved there by their parents. Uh, when their parents died, Chris, or Big Chris, as he was known, right? Because size matters. Right, and it's the biggest state in the country. No, it's not. Go ahead. No. Um, but Big Chris and his siblings, they all received an equal portion of the land that the rodents had acquired since moving into the small town. Uh, many of the siblings moved away, but Chris stayed and married a manly local girl uh, named Dana Manly. <laughs> okay. So I'm surprised yeah. you didn't throw a joke in there, but he just sits on his own. A manly local girl. Okay. Yeah, Dana Manley mm-hmm. was, yeah, she was one of the Manleys. So she's a Manly local girl. Right. Um, she was a nurse and he worked construction and flipped things like cars, not physically, as you might assume. Many were just flipped financially, buying them, fixing them up, and flick, flipping them, as it is called in capitalistic circles, throughout the kingdom. Mm. After 13 years of marriage, they decided to separate. But for the sake of their kids and to try and maintain some semblance of family, they stayed close. So Chris would move into a home with his cousin, Gary. And Gary was a great guy. According to his brother, you couldn't ask for a better person. All in all, the community knew that the Rodins would give you the shirt off their back. They were good people. Bobby Joe Manley, the sister of Dana Roden, knocked on the door of one of the Roden family homes one morning, nobody answered. So she let herself in with the key that she had. Mm-hmm. She didn't just break through the door. She's out there, a manly girl flipping cars all over the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is someone else, though. This, sorry. Let me in. Yeah. No, this was somebody else. This was Bobby Joe Manley. Okay. So she was younger, so she wouldn't have been as manly as the other manly girl. Yeah. Uh, D- Dana. <laughs> Dana. Right. So it was 7.53 a.m. on a Friday, April 22nd. April 22nd the year of our Lord was 2016. And this was the first call that was placed to 911. Are you ready for me to uh, hit play? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Here oh, we go. <laughs> Okay. My brother walks in the bedroom and I'm like, I beat the hell out of him. 
Okay. She was out of breath for sure. I don't know how big this house was. Maybe she would have gone down several stump flights of stairs or. It, okay. <laughs> um, man, that was, that was sad at the end. How, how upset she sounded. That was a little heartbreaking at the end there too. So what's going on there? Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting too. I mean, I think it was showing how composed she was trying to be right. to get through the 911 call and then it just kind of hit her, I think, afterward. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Chris Sr. and Gary Roden, not to be confused with rhododendrons, a hardy flowering plant, <laughs> are found dead. <laughs> Why do you make me laugh before you <laughs> lay on that punchline? I just, line? I like to add... I like to add clarity. I think there's a lot of confusion when it comes to words. Have you ever tried to send somebody, have you ever had this happen where you send somebody an email with five bullet points of questions or points that they need to address and they answer one? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's the way I like to write scripts. So I try to clarify things as I go. Okay. As much as possible. Yeah, good job. Okay, let's go. I didn't, you know, think about this. We could be like, you know, eight paragraphs later and somebody's like, did you say rhododendron? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so confused. Is this, is this man a plant or a human? <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't want to get caught up one sentence into a script at any point. I know. I know. I agree 100%. So now that we're on the same page, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Chris Sr. and Gary Roden are found dead. As you can hear on the call, Bobby Joe describes blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. After she hangs up with 911, she runs to an adjacent home on the property to get help. There, she discovers the bodies of Frankie Roden and his fiance, Hannah Gilly. They had also been shot in their bed. Hmm. As help was on its way, Bobby Joe calls her brother, James Manley. He was about one and a half miles away down the road as the crows fly. Also, in this instance, the road is pretty straight, so it would also be as the car drives. She asked him to go to another of the Roden family homes near him. There, he came upon another horrific scene, the bodies of Dana and Hannah Roden massacred in their own home as well. Whoa, how many people now? In all, the Manleys discovered six 
members of the Roden family murdered in cold blood while they slept in their beds or were startled and it was very apparent that they were caught unawares. So police departments from multiple counties descended on the road and property, still unaware who had done this. Was the shooter still in the area? Was it one of the bodies that they had discovered? None of the bodies were interviewed as they were dead. So nobody knew at the time who had done it. Oh my God, dude. Okay. Although six bodies had been discovered, there were still members of the Roden family that were unaccounted for. Chris Roden, affectionately known at high school and in the community as Little Chris, mm-hmm had not been found. Now, he was the son of Big Chris and in high school. Hence the reason I mentioned that he was affectionately known at high school and in the community as Little Chris. Good job. Painting a picture. Painting a picture. Right. Immediately, suspicion was raised that Little Chris might have been the one that did this to his family. But just hours after the first 911 call, Pike County receives another call. The call was placed from the area near 799 Left Fork Road from a trailer that did not have its own address. This was about 3.7 miles from the other Roden households or trailer holds, respectively. The call was placed by a cousin of Kenneth Roden, coincidentally of the same Roden family as we've been talking about so far. Small world? I think not. Small town? Yes. (laughs) All right. Are you ready for me to hit play on this <laughs> second 911 call? I think you're out of breath. I am. Lots of flights of stairs on this one. So <laughs> I'm ready. Here. Okay. Here we go. 911. There's Pike County, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. This is 911. Can I help you? Yeah. I need a, a deputy to come out to close to 799 West Okay. Uh, it's all this stuff that's on the news. Uh, my, I just found I just found my cousin with a gunshot wound. Okay, sir, is he alive? No, no. Okay, you're at 799 West Fork? It's close to 799. I don't know what his address is. He don't, he don't have a box. He don't have a box. Okay. I'll be standing out by the red waiting on Okay. So that was interesting, I found, because um, he was much more composed than the first call. That was a guy? Yeah, that was a guy. Oh, okay. He, he kind of had a high voice. Um, I don't know. I, just, I, thought it was, I thought it was an older woman for some reason, but I, no disrespect. It, Go ahead. I, I, it could have I never been. mean could've to be been. disrespectful on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did she sound heavy to you? Come on. <laughs> God. So that was the cousin of Kenneth Roden who called. Kenneth Roden was found murdered in the same fashion as the other members of his family shot to death in his sleep. That's the way, man. Sorry. That's the way I want to go. <laughs> just shot to death in your sleep? I just want to die in my sleep. I don't care how it happens. Okay. I would say that maybe coupling dying in your sleep with being shot to death in your sleep might cause a little more anxiety for family members. You're right. You know what? Let's go with just natural causes. Okay. All right. You're right. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll help you through this one, buddy. You just tell me when that's supposed to happen and I'll, you know, work, work with you. Uh 
Okay, so shortly thereafter, little Chris was also found to have been murdered in the same way. This brought the death toll to eight members of the Roden family, all shot to death. Damn. Same night, three different locations, all shot the same way. Jeez. Still no clues as to who could have done this. This new realization that the killer or killers were not known paralyzed the town. Nobody knew if they could be next. One thing was for certain, though, that the killer wasn't going alphabetically through the town. Roden started with R. (laughs) The town was not only reeling from the massacre, but they were also in shock as to who it was that was massacred. The Roden family was beloved by many in the community. To add to the confusion, whoever killed the members of the Roden family left the young children alive. Hannah Roden had just given birth four days prior, and although they shot Hannah to death, they didn't harm the newborn. Rumors started to run wild. Did this have something to do with the cockfights that were rumored to have taken place on Roden properties? Was this connected to the local demolition derby races that some of the Rodens were involved in? The state district attorney was pleading with townsfolk to keep their doors locked and even their eyes cocked and even their cocks locked. (laughs) There'd be no competition anytime soon, whether it be little cocks or Chevys with a small block, the town was rocked. Okay, man, you're talking about eight people being murdered and you're screwing around like this? What are you, doctor? I was was just screwing around, around like with the activities in the town. Oh, gosh, all right. You're like the Dr. Zeus of horrific murder. We don't we don't victim shame or blame here. Right. We make fun of the whole thing though. <laughs> if there's cockfighting happening though, I will address that okay. every time. Unequivocally. All right. The the investigators dug in to get to the bottom of things, but in spite of their efforts, they couldn't hit any pay dirt. Finally, in a possible move of desperation, the attorney general, after a lengthy investigation that turned up no credible leads, made an announcement that growing operations for plants known as marijuana had been found on three of the Roden properties that had been searched. Hmm. This was an inference to possible miscreants messing with the drug operations that the Rodens had developed. Apparently, the Rodens' drug operation was big enough to make the inference that the killings might have been carried out by a Mexican cartel, Hmm. a country just to the south of the United States. (sighs) With the legalization of marijuana in the U.S., cartels like the Sinaloa cartel had discovered that it's easier and less risky to set up growing operations in the States and sell it into the black market that way rather than try to get drugs trafficked across the border Uh, between the two countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Pike County is a very popular corridor for the movement of drugs actually along the U.S. 23rd roadway or US-23, that goes from the south to the north and north to the south since it's a two-lane thoroughfare. A crop worth nearly a half a million dollars was discovered. Whoa. And although it can be a plant that grows in nature, this crop was grown by humans, the rodent humans. (laughs) The local pastor had suggested that nothing about the family's lifestyle would indicate that they were involved in a huge drugs operation. Uh, Investigators also saw a flaw potentially in the cartel theory since the killer or killers had left the children alive. Remember that? Yeah. 
this uh, this kind of indicated that a small sense of morality, maybe uh, something that the cartel was not known for uh, to possess when dispatching its victims. Right. So this was a wrinkle in the theory about it being cartel. Hmm. Although the drug operation was getting big enough that potentially, unless it was controlled by the cartel, that they would potentially be considered a threat. Another thing that seemed kind of difficult to wrap their heads around for the investigators was how far north of the border Pike County resided. And it didn't seem to match up that the cartel would go that far north and create a ruckus, you know, kind of show their hand right. that far away from the border. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, you know, there was, there were, there were things, there were things and a lot of the things weren't adding up. So actually nothing was adding up. So mm -hmm. Luna, yeah. That brings us to one of the things that is missing from this story so far, something that we've seen time and time again as we've gone over these types of cases. Do you know what that is? Ads. Oh, you got me. Oh, did I actually get you? Because, <laughs> man, I couldn't think of anything. I, I was just trying to be a jerk right there. I was going to say our, your lack of uh, tact and our entire lack of... <laughs> Respect for humanity and covering this particular case, but ads, I got it. No, that's all intact. My tact is intact, but yes, ads, you got it. Oh, got all it, right, man. let's run some ads. Yeah. You got to pay the bills. Okay. So although the murders were brutal and sweeping throughout this family, and despite the nature of the killings indicated that a very personal execution had taken place, point blank range gunshots to each victim the children being spared was enough to compel investigators to look elsewhere for clues away from possible cartel involvement. Mm -hmm. They focused on the rodents' robust security cameras and guard dogs, but turned up nothing. Although this seems like a dead end, it actually helped them to shed some light on the nature of the killers. They knew, whoever they were, how to avoid the rodents' cameras, and the guard dogs didn't respond to the killer's presence. So this led investigators to return their focus back to the family. Mm -hmm. Dana Rodin's manly sister, Bobby Joe, was first to discover the scene, as was James Manley, after Bobby Joe called him shortly after her discovery and subsequent call to 911. But despite repeated interviews, the investigators couldn't understand why Bobby Joe was there in the first place. But why would she be involved? Statistically, it couldn't be ruled out. Mm. So she is barraged with questions and interrogations, but she insists she has nothing to do with it. Judy and Leonard Manley, the parents of Bobby Joe and James, are super frustrated that there is still such an intense look being made at the family members. And they're completely beside themselves. Can I can I step in here for a second? Because I'm yeah, a little bit confused. Yeah. Of anybody that, that you've mentioned here so far, are any of the potential suspects the woman that was on the phone calling in? But I mean, who they're looking at, the investigators I, I must, are kind of looking at the family right now. Was she a possible involvement? Yes. Yeah. So the first caller, they were like, why were you there? Right. Okay. Why were you even there at seven something in the morning? And you had you knew where the key was, so they were trying to just button things up and say this this didn't make sense. So you gotta tell us, like, what's up? Right. 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 Gotcha. Okay. And that was that was Bobby Joe who made the phone call. Yes, Bobby Joe. Okay. 
Bobby Joe made the call. The first call. Yes. Bobby Joe made the first call and then James Manley made the second call. Okay. Gotcha. So she calls her brother and says, can you check on the rodents? Because the rodents had property everywhere. The rodents were everywhere. Kind of like rodents in New York. But this is without a T at the end. This is a human population of people named the rodents. Gotcha. Okay. So finally, uh, Bobby Joe agrees to take a lie detector test. Mm -hmm. uh, thinking she's innocent. Uh, she thought it would prove her innocence. So she took three tests, passed them all. Mm -hmm. By the way, fun fact to know and share. Lie detector tests aren't admissible in court. Right. So anytime you are innocent. Take it. Take it. Yeah. yeah. Thro yeah. Throw down. Take two. Take three. I mean, just keep insisting that you'll take lie detector tests. And it's the optics, really, of the lie detector test. And that's really what this podcast is about, is telling, you know, maybe someone perspective. Criminals. Thank you. I got yes. freaking super tongue-tied there. I mean, I think it bit my <laughs> tongue three times there because I'm getting so fat. <clears throat> but uh, I'm just so hungry all the time. Yeah, just go for it, man. Give it a, give it a go. Yeah, give those lie detector tests, wear them out. I honestly, I'm kind of surprised that we still talk about them. Like, it seems like 1600s, you know, medicine from the 1600s being valid still. It's like, it, it, they, I think they are credible. I think that they definitely detect a whole lot of things, right? Yeah, how nervous you but, are. Well, that, that's the thing is they detect stuff, but then actually defining what they're detecting, I think right. that's where the science gets a little kludgy, right? Kludgy. Yeah, that's the word I was going to grab, too. You were going for. I figured in your tongue-tiedness state, I would just say kludgy, knowing that that's what you were thinking. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. You're welcome. Next, James Manley took heavy questioning. The police tracked his truck. They put a low jack on his truck. But he he found the low jack tracker and he threw it away. And it turned out to be a dead end of searching for weeks, for months, and ultimately years. People in town, seeing what was happening to the Manleys, became more and more reluctant to speak with investigators, fearing that their own safety might be at risk and, and to stay far removed from suspicion, seeing as how heavy the, the full court press was on the Manleys, right? Mm -hmm. So... Maybe as a reflex to this, the police were keeping their investigation very closed. Uh, after more than a year, um, kind of reluctantly, a large portion of the law enforcement's evidence was made public. However, autopsy reports were extremely redacted, but some things were revealed, such as some of the victims were shot several times, which nobody knew. Before. They just, they knew everybody had been shot in their sleep or, you know, in the moments after waking up. Right. Um, but for example, Chris Roden, big Chris, had been shot nine times. Just to be sure. But it sounds like, you know, an, an, out of anger maybe even, right? Yeah. So that started to drive home this, this, this conclusion that it was uh, very personal, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Point blank, in, obviously, in, in their sleep. In my mind, I had uh, just execution style happening to this point. So that's a little, little twist. Yes. Here. Which also sends you further away from the cartel. Right. Because they're very surgically precise. I mean, if they want to torture you, they will. Sure. But. There isn't emotion in what they're doing, so it always comes across as one and done, fast, you know, efficient. It's efficient. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't waste nine bullets. They would just 
maybe tw- yeah. two to the head, depending on how big you are. Yeah, exactly. Um, they don't want witnesses, so they're going to do whatever's necessary, but they're also, you know, it, like we said, efficient and fast with their, their, their killings. Yeah, unless they want to put you into a stack of tires and lay it on fire. Yes, but they only do that if there's a flip phone available to record it in, in pristine 260p. (laughs) Don't search for those on the internet unless you want to watch them. Okay. Then on May 12th, 2017, investigators send dozens of agents armed with warrants to three properties, including a farm that had just recently been sold by George Billy Wagner. Billy was his nickname and his wife, Angela Wagner, one of the most prominent and wealthy families in Pike County. They're considered Piketon royalty, really. The Wagner's estate totals 1,700 acres, including a 300-acre equestrian farm, which is where you keep horses. (laughs) Okay, you think I didn't know that? I just fill in the blanks, fill in the blanks, right? You're doing good. All said their properties are valued at over $4 million. So although the two families had familiarity with each other, and Chris Roden and Billy Wagner had experienced a few tense moments as both friends and uh, business partners in the past. Nothing really ever rose to the level of any worry of threats against somebody else's life, you know. So that was hard to believe. Uh, so why were all these agents rolling up on all this property owned by the Wagners? Right. Hannah Roden and Jake Wagner did have a child together. They had a three-year-old. The child wasn't born as a three-year-old, but had grown to be three years old. (laughs) However, they had never been married, and after a while, they went their separate ways. I'm going to do something I've never done before. Because yeah. this is this is a lot of information, and it's it's great information. You put a lot of work into this. Keep talking. I'm gonna uh, piss while you're talking here. Okay. Not, okay. Not, not 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 not. You won't be able to hear, but just you know. I'll know that you're not present, and now the audience will know you're also not present as I'm giving vital information. Yeah. This is great. But no, I'll have my headphones in. No, still. you just won't be able. I know to hear. you got you, you got you. You have a small bladder. It's unbelievably of, small. I think when you turn well, forty-one, I mean, God. I don't want to do it. Go ahead. I think physically, the question should be asked, how many 40 ounces should your bladder be able to hold <laughs> in one sitting? So that's a thing. Apparently, I can't handle three 40 ounces Weak. In, a, in a half an hour sitting. Keep going, man. I apologize. All right. Here we go. Going to continue. I can hear you still. So Okay. Good, good to know. Okay. They... Hannah Roden and Jake Wagner had never been married. And after a while, like I said, they went their separate ways. So, and then the Wagners do something that sends the whole case into a tizzy. The whole family packed up and moved to Alaska. According to them and their lawyer, they left because of the level of police and media pressure, which they felt had risen to a level of harassment. After this move, the former properties were raided by the police. And then out of the blue, the Wagners returned to Piketon. So police descend on the family and made four arrests. Almost two and a half years after the Roden massacre, they arrested the father, George Billy Wagner, his wife, Angela, 
and their two sons, Edward Jake Wagner, who's the one that was uh, in a relationship with Hannah Roden, and they had a three-year-old who was born through sex and grew to be a three-year-old girl, and the youngest brother, George Wagner IV. So their arrests divided the whole town between those who thought they were guilty and those who thought they were innocent. Uh, the sheriff's office stated that the Wagners had left a trail, as they said. So, okay. <clears throat> According to the indictment, the Wagners had made a series of purchases at the Walmarts that were tied to the murder. So some shoes had been purchased, lawnmower parts that they said were fashioned into suppressors for the guns that they carried out the murders with. What? How? Lawnmower parts? Like, how did they use the lawnmower parts? As suppressors for weapons. So they they bought these lawnmower parts that were <clears throat> um, baffles and tubes. Oh, okay. And so they created silencers, basically. I'm an idiot. I think that a lawnmower is only made of, you know, the blades <laughs> and the it, casing. Well, <laughs> that is a large part of a lawnmower. So you're not wrong. Right. Uh, that would also probably, if you added a lawnmower blade to a gun, it would make the whole thing probably messier. <laughs> That's I what I was assume. picturing. I was like, what are they making yeah. bayonets? Yeah, yeah, a lot. It mulch, mulch the victim. Is what they <laughs> okay. Doing there. Um, yeah, so they used lawnmower parts to fashion into suppressors for the guns. They carried out the murders with ammo and magazines and a brass catcher. That was used to collect spent shell casings that had been ejected from the handguns. Now, these brass catchers are interesting. They're like a little tiny basket that, that is attached to the handgun and sits off the side. It, I've never really seen anybody use one. It's, it's not practical. It would throw the weight of the gun off. Right. Uh, but yet they exist. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, these brass catchers had been bought at Walmart, uh, and uh, hence, no shell casings were left at the scene. So oh. police believed that these indicated a well-planned execution of the eight members of the Roden family. But that's not all. Police arrested two more unlikely people. 76-year-old matriarch of the Wagner family, Frederica Wagner, and Angela Wagner's mother, 65-year-old Rita Newcomb. What in the world is going on here? How come I've never heard of this case? This is like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre play, uh, situation. Do they feed them blood while they sit around the table? <laughs> Are they corpses? I, like, yeah, it seemed kind of like a uh, if the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the wonderful whites of West Virginia had a baby, <laughs> it'd be this Roden Massacre. Is this a well-known case? Oh, I watched a documentary on it. I'm out of the loop on everything. All I know is cases from the 1970s, you know. <laughs> I never even heard of this. I can't believe it. Well, what was interesting, yes, and 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 I will I will admit that there are some 911 calls that are out there that I shy away from because I just feel like it's been done or you know, right. and it it bothers me. To, there are some podcasts that I don't listen to on the reg, and so it bothers me when I'll do all the work and then the comments are like Oh, I heard this one on. Yeah. Yeah, I heard it on Spick and Span podcast, <laughs> true crime discussion. 
Yeah, you guys did it fine. You did a fine job with this, though. You acceptable, acceptable <laughs> yeah. three stars. Would recommend. Right. I always, I'm always like, ah, I wish I listened to more podcasts. I know how over mm. overdone my stories are. I just finished doing one on the Zodiac. <laughs> so you're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> Who's that? Never heard of him. <laughs> oh right. man. Yeah, so I, I'm, I was in the same boat as you, though. As, as soon as I listened to all these calls, I was like, how have I never heard about this? And then I watched the documentary, and I don't know if it's been covered a lot. I'm sure everybody in Ohio remembers it, uh, but Ohio is one state in up to 50 that are currently in the United States. And I'll say up to 50 because I want this podcast to be evergreen. And in the future, should we have 51 or less than 50 because of a mutiny or uprising, right. I want this to stand the test of time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, so Frederica and Angela Wagner's mom, Rita Newcomb, are arrested. Frederica was arrested for allegedly lying to a grand jury, to which she pleaded not guilty. Um, remember, the, the Wagners are rich people. They're wealthy uh, so I'm guessing, you know, there are some heavy lawyers involved, especially when you start throwing down on the matriarch of the whole right. thing, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, Angela Newcomb is charged with forging custody documents. She pleaded not guilty as well. So we'll talk about that for a second. So there were custody concerns between Jake Wagner and Hannah over their now four-year-old daughter, Sophia. Uh, the judge ruled initially in favor of sole custody being awarded to Hannah. Now, this is sort of a throwback to something that that we've talked about before and that we've found to be kind of a reflex in a lot of courts, and especially the U.S., where they default to this uh, presumption that a, a child is in the best hands by default if they're with the mother. Right which I don't disagree with. I think the power a mother has in a child's life is very essential. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it it goes beyond proof and evidence and facts, and a mother will retain custody of a child when really they shouldn't. Yeah. That's not to say that was the case here, but full custody for Hannah instead of a shared custody situation with Jake Wagner, who was a member of a, you know, a, a well, de- well developed family, mm-hmm. um, really no, no reasons why there, there should have been sole custody given to Hannah. So this, this caused a ruckus. All right. <laughs> Going deep here, man. Yeah. Well, you know, eight people, I felt like I should probably give oh, it a little good. bit, it's uh, good. a little I'm bit of flavor. Um, so immediately, the wheels of that arrangement start coming off of the boat and the Wagners started petitioning for sole custody of, uh, for Jake. Uh, meanwhile, Hannah had moved on, allegedly having several different relationships and becoming pregnant through sex with her now boyfriend, Frankie Roden. Remember that name? Frankie Roden? Kind of. It's been a while. Yep. Six days after Hannah is murdered... Jake Wagner files for full custody of Sophia, which to many is suspicious timing. Um, November 2018 rolls around. The four Wagners are charged and held without bond. 
in April and September of this year, 2021, both Jake Wagner and his mother pleaded guilty to their charges. Jake pleaded guilty to eight counts of aggravated murder and all of the rest of the charges. And Angela admitted to conspiring with her family in the planning of the Roden massacre. Jake and Angela both took plea deals, which removed the death penalty option for the Wagners. But Jake will serve eight consecutive life terms, plus more than 100 years for the sentences on all the other charges. He is not expected to outlive those years in jail. Angela is agreeing to a 30-year sentence for her part in the massacre. Attorneys for the youngest son, George Washington Wagner IV, not to be confused with George Washington Carver, the inventor, are trying to get his charges reduced, if not thrown out completely due to lack of evidence. They claim that George didn't shoot any of the victims. So they're just trying to get the whole thing chucked. Uh, We're still actually waiting for that trial to play out, as well as the trial of the father, George Billy Wagner. Uh, Interesting, though, because of the plea deals that Jake and Angela took, if both George's cases go to trial, meaning Big George and Little George, Jake and Angela have to testify against them. Okay, I'm going to ask you a very simple question. It's going to seem ridiculous considering the amount of information that you just spilled out. Yeah. Are you ready for it? Yeah. What happened here? (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) So, so ultimately, that's a that's where I wanted to talk to you. Uh, (laughs) The long winded way. Of getting to the point that this all happened because of conflicts over custody of four-year-old Sophia. Oh, turns out. So, i i have I have had a mixed bag of experiences when it comes to custody of children. Um, not my own. Well, so I don't know, maybe sort of. I guess I have I adopted Sam two point oh, and in the process of adopting. Um, it was an arduous task, uh, both from the selection process, the application process, and then sort of the due diligence that they do uh, for adoptive families. Uh, I had to sit uh, in the audience of several adoption panels where I watched everyone from birth mothers, so the woman giving birth and, ad- and giving up their baby for adoption, birth mothers talking about their adoptions that they where they placed their child to ad- other family members of people that had either adopted or given up a baby for adoption. Um, and I will tell you, I, once I knew that this case was all around custody, I just nodded my head and said, yep, I can see that because there are a couple places in life where, where our colors and stripes that we didn't even know we have come in, come out. One is death. And we've talked about this before. You know, someone dies, the, re- the, the family that is remaining, they all process it differently. But more often than not, there's always the level-headed one, 
You know, there's the one that can't handle the emotion of the whole situation. And they end up like, I don't know, breaking into the house and taking things that are like, they feel like I got to have dad's sword. He need, he told me I could have it guys. You know? So there's, there's all of these different, uh, versions of us that show up when someone dies. And another thing where our, uh, where our stripes and colors come to the surface is when it comes to family children and the children of our families one one really powerful example is in adoption cases and i I think we've talked about this before but when a woman decides to to give a baby up for adoption uh oftentimes they are met with uh resistance from the birth mother's mother or the birth grandmother and the birth grandmother is like oh no no, no, no. You don't give up a member of the family. I'll raise that thing by myself if I have to. You know, and so there's a whole lot of dynamics that go into, you know, familial relations. And that's probably a podcast all in and of itself. But as soon as I knew that, I was like, okay, makes sense. Right. This, this custody battle had really inflamed the the relationship between these two families. And one had decided the only answer was to plot and kill a giant swath of the family. Crazy. What a crazy case, man. Well, good job. Yeah. Clearly, I missed some of it when I went to take the biggest piss of my life, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you were gone for a little while. I was actually impressed. I was like, wow, that is a, oh, man, that I, is a lot of Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> Overflowed the mud bucket out there. I need to take a shower. Um, is there. <clears throat> Wow. Okay, so that's it. No, great job, man. That, that was very interesting. You got a, you got a happy ending for us. I, I I do. I do. I have a happy ending. I I wish I wish for some reason. Uh, I'll just say on that one, it feels for as much information and as as many people that died and everything. Mm-hmm. It feels very empty. It does. I feel so empty, dude. That's, I asked it's, for the happy ending just to have an ending. Just yeah. do something, you know, it does, there, it does. Um, <clears throat> that's a lot. A lot I of think death. it feels empty because the, the severity, I mean, no one should die for, for, especially for those reasons. Right. But eight people, eight people to die and to be killed for such an empty. Yes. Uh, uh, con- con- conspiring as one family versus another over another family member. It, it, well, the attempt to try to tie it up in a neat little bow in such a messy friggin' way. I mean, look at the trauma caused to the children who are left over here as well. And yeah. what they may have uh, heard or, or, or you know, I, I, there was a four-year-old left in a crib for a while here while their mother was laying dead, right? Four-year-old and, and a four-day, four-day old. Four-day, sorry. Yeah. Four-day. Yeah. So in her arms. In her arms. Yeah. So, uh, you know, also now that you know that it's about custody, Mm -hmm. it makes a little bit of sense that the the children would be scared. However, I will say this, this was another thing that tipped investigators off and kind of sent the eye of Sauron looking at the Wagners Mm -hmm. was that Sophia the night before had gone to Jake Wagner's. And so they were like, aha, well, Sophia was out of danger. Right. And so this thing could be, 
this plan could be executed without any risk of Sophia being uh, traumatized or involved. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so interesting. I will say though, I mean, it took them that long to figure it out and, and it was just little tiny chinks in the armor that gave it away, but that it really could have been buttoned up and just explained away as cartel. It was that clean. I mean, it was that, they just, they, they made that mistake of letting the kids live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. They, they would say a mistake, but. No, no, but that's what, all, that was the, happy. that was the clue. That was the, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I was going to say, you said chink in the armor there. Are you allowed to say that still? That was like a um, problem. Yes. Uh, armor is not a specific color. Oh, it is also universally accepted as a as a form of uh, protection uh -huh. in battle, and so it is it is uh, relegated to a small section on the shelf of racially acceptable things to say. I think that the, some of the journalists made the mistake. I believe it was when Jeremy Lin, who is of Asian descent, was playing for like the New York Knicks, and they were doing poorly, and said a chink in the armor. And because oh, it might have related snap. to him in some way, that that was mm. a big problem. Uh, yes. But Jeremy Lin wasn't in this uh, particular episode, so I think that we're good. And I'm not even sure if I got that right. No, you you did. I mean, armor has chinks in it. I mean, the Jeremy Lin thing. Oh, he's not in this one. No, he's not. I just mean Correct. initially, you know. Anyways, well, let's there move were on. several children that were living uh, left alive, and he. You know, you might ask, was Jeremy one of those? And he wasn't. Oh, so, good. Uh, Thank God. Okay, we're yes. good. Yep, we're good all around. So, uh, yeah, chinks in the armor are actual oh. thing. And so you can say it all you want. <laughs> okay. All right. How about a happy ending? <laughs> I'll take anything I can get at this point. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, this is an interesting one. So you've probably heard of radio shows. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes on radio shows that are like just, you know, don't have enough content, they will have callers call in and then they'll do pranks. Oh, uh, yeah. Sure. Jerky boys and stuff. He's, oh, well, that's yeah, not the yeah. same thing. But yeah. Okay. Pranks. Gotcha. No, very similar, though. Yes. And then Morning the, zoo the call, stuff. Yes. They, they, record, they, they record the prank and everybody driving in their cars gets to listen to this prank play out and however. It's great. Fashion. So this is a, I, I thought this was a kind of an interesting one. Um, because I, I love how, uh, pranks reveal like a very real side of us. I, I'm always actually amazed at like when, when a prank is done on a celebrity, many celebrities, uh, act in a very, like, like somebody told them, look, man, you, you get in a, you get in the thick of a situation. You just want to not do anything because lawsuits, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't see very many celebrities like, do you know who I am? Most of the time they're like, um, I need to back away. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, it kind of brings out this interesting side of us, but I, so this one's very, it's funny. It's interesting. This prank, I'll just let it play out. It pretty much explains itself. You can explain but, it first uh, and then we can listen to it if you want. I'll explain that it's a radio show <laughs> and it's a prank that's on a radio show and uh, it's hilarious. Okay, good. All right, got gotcha. it. All right. Here we go. Got another locked up only line ready to go here. Let's get um, Jess on. Hi, Jess. You're going to call a parent and tell them you've been locked up in prison. Um, so what are you going to get locked up for, Jess? 
bring a pair of thongs. Thongs. And she's going to believe that you're in prison for this. Okay, here we go. Bringing your mother up now and it's all up to you. Here we go. We'll turn ourselves off. Hello? Hello, this is an indirect call from the New South Wales Office of Public Mischief and Unlawful Possession. Your call may be recorded for educational plus quality control purposes. To accept this call from... Jessica? Please say what? yes. Yes. Connecting now. Where is Hello? Hi, Mum. Uh, what the hell? What the hell's that? Um, I went to the shoe section and get yeah. the uh, dollar pair of thongs and put them on. What, you and bought I didn't think, No, I didn't bought them. I stole them. What the fuck? Are you serious? A dollar thongs? Oh, my feet were so sore. Go freaking barefoot for Christ's sake. What if I cut my feet on glass and I'm going to go to the hospital? Oh! Well, that's better than freaking going to jail, isn't it? Yeah, but mum. Do I have to bail you out, do I? I need three grand. I'm not going to give you bloody $3,000 for a pair of $1 thongs? Like for Christ's sake. Or $2. Oh, $2. What, a dollar for each foot? Is it worth it? No. Did they put you in handcuffs? I bloody hope so. Yes, they did, Mum. They put me in handcuffs and it hurt. Oh, boo-hoo for you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait until your father hears about this. I can't. No, 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 no. I can't let this go. You're homeless. Mom. Homeless. You don't have anything here. Delete my number from your phone. Every... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe. What a disappointment. Jesus Christ. Oh, you were such a disappointment. Only lying. It's Colin Jackie O. Hi. Hey, only lying. Nothing's wrong. She's all good. Hey, but it's just a prank for on air. You know what the good bit is? It's good to know, Jess, that your mum, no matter what you do in life, your mum is always (laughs) just going to throw you into the street. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> Man, the mom got so exposed there. Oh, she, 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 yeah, she, now you know. Now you know what's going to happen. She, man, oh. delete my number. <laughs> You're homeless. <laughs> that was impressive. Oh, man. Do you uh, think when uh, you were younger, if you got arrested, how would your, your uh, parents have reacted? Say you got busted for stealing something from a store. Same situation. Oh, I, oh, I would have wrote it out. I, I know I would have wrote it out in jail. I, I know I, I wouldn't have been bailed out. Uh, they probably wouldn't even have picked me up. I probably would have been told to walk home from jail. Uh, <laughs> you know, my parents, I, I, I was raised good, yeah. I would say. You know, I, I was raised, uh, I remember one time, uh, elementary school, I want to say it was maybe second grade. Uh, I was living in a city next to Seattle and uh, it was a suburb, you know, suburban town. And uh, I'm at I'm at school, and I I had to be bused to school. It was you know a good chunk of miles away, mm-hmm. uh, maybe three, two, three miles, I'd say. Uh, anyway, I got a call 
from the front desk while I was in class and told to go to the main office. I went to the main office and they said, your mom uh, called and said that you uh, promised to clean your room before you left for school. And so now you have to go home. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, how am I supposed to? They're like, she says you're supposed to walk. (sighs) I walked home, but interesting. Halfway there, I look back. She's, she's driving behind me. She didn't want me to see her, but she was back there. Like, you know, all NSA, like driving, make sure I made it home, but she made me walk. She didn't pick me up. She, she, (laughs) she drove behind me like a stalker. (laughs) And this was Issaquah. So Issaquah, Washington, I mean, Ted Bundy was out and about. So there (laughs) were already stalkers in creepy cars. And there's my mom. Yeah, at least she was making sure I was going to get home before I got killed. Did you have those sideburns still? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're asking for those sideburns. That's a pretty mouth right there. Uh, for as rough as I kind of make my uh, childhood and everything sound at times, I can confidently say, because I know for a fact, I have been arrested for like breaking into a house and smashing bottles on a van that was going by and stuff. I was straight up arrested in jail. And my mom just came and gave the, police officer shit (laughs) got me out of there she got you out yeah and my dad he would have been in there with me for most of the situations we were in so i can't relate to this call at all it's a little it's disappointing the way that mother reacted to be honest (laughs) i don't know it felt very much like my family i will say this i have a brother who uh he he rolled his suv in a town near here uh, and the police showed up and he didn't have insurance and yeah. like it had lapsed. And I don't know, I guess there was a warrant for that or some, I don't know, something he ended up having to do uh, serve a bit of jail time in that little town. And so it was like a work release thing where he, and we didn't even know about it until he was done with it. Like it was like, I don't know, a couple of weeks he had to go and go to jail. And then one time, uh, we got a call from my sister, Katie. Uh, she was on the freeway and got pulled over. And her husband, uh, who had been uh, going to college for criminal justice, uh, he's in the passenger seat. They get pulled over on the freeway. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to me? And and she's like, her license was expired, I believe. And mm. there are a couple things. And he's like, he's like, don't worry. There's only one cop. They have to have two police officers on scene in order to arrest. Oh, shoot. Never mind. And another cop car pulls up and she got taken into jail and we just laughed about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we bailed her out either. I think she had to stay overnight in the clink. <laughs> uh, well, it was fun. Uh, that was a big one. And uh, you've been super consistent one. lately. I mean, we have been so... You're shooting for weekly now with 911 calls, are you not? Hey, I will tell you this. Not only are we doing weekly calls in 911, but we just started 911 Calls Plus, which is an additional call every week. So what I did is I decided I'm going to trade off <clears throat> naps for doing podcasts. And it's opened up my world in the week. And I'm like, oh, I've got time to do two shows. So now we do 911 calls and then we do plus, which is $5 a month. And uh, you get not only 
the 911 calls show here, but you also get the uncut, which is usually, depending on how you and I, how long you and I talk, could be one, two hours more. So you get uncut episode, 911 calls, and then you get plus. Completely exclusive episodes. Yeah. Just on on Patreon. Yes. On Patreon, $5 a month gets you basically 12 911 call episodes a month. Four of those being early releases. Yes. And then the other four being the uncuts and then four uncuts. completely on their own. And that's yes. underneath the plus uh, banner. Yeah, man, tons of content over there on Patreon. At the $5 tier, you also get brutal once a month. That's Kent Chungus and myself doing some of the worst crimes and true crime history and delivering them in the most brutal fashion that we can, just screwing around, just being as free as we want to be. Yeah. Uh, early dark topics. <clears throat> And uh, the 13, well, there's something else there too, isn't there? Uh, uh, no, at, I think at that's five. It. Yeah, that's at five. five. That's at five. At five, you get, you get the uncut 911 calls. You get the 911 calls plus, which is like double the 911 calls. And you get a brutal every month. And then and early releases of all of our podcasts, True Crime Kent, 911 Calls, and Dark Topic. And then at Tier 13, you get more Dark Topic. That's the full Dark Topic. That's two additional episodes of Dark Topic. I've moved all of my efforts for Dark Topic, basically, to the $13 tier. And yep. I'm trying to pick it up publicly. And I'm doing some interviews and stuff like that now for the public versions. But And as well, we do Dark Meets. That's M-E-A-T-S. <laughs> at <laughs> right. Tier 13, uh, we do those quarterly. We do those once every uh, three months. We just finished it's a live up. video stream. Yep. And, you know, we have several hundred people that sh- I'm surprised at how many people give us, I don't know, and most of what are we, like three, four hours sometimes, sometimes. on those things? Yeah, it's great, man. We What we did with the last one was we just all brought an interesting video and then we we talk about it. And then we have all the people there at the dark meet on Zoom. And then you put your yeah. hand up if you want to tell a story or comment on it, Ask then we pick question. you randomly and interact with the audience at tier 13 there. It's a lot of fun. Yep. And then on tier 13, we also have mystery merch, which, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the best way to put it is Jack and I, every once in a while, the feeling wells up in our heart and we feel like we need to surprise everybody. Yes. And so we'll do something. And uh, so that's why it's called mystery merch because we don't really define what it is. But uh, we don't even know what it is at this point yet because we (laughs) just kind of canceled the store because it was such a such a like it was so so much work for the operator and that's what slowed down nine one one calls for a while. It wasn't your fault, man. I know that you feel like some guilt and all that for it. It was just a a massive undertaking, and you you did achieve it. But now that we've gotten rid of that and we're going for the mystery merch thing, nine one one calls is coming back full force as well. The rest of our shows and we found a real groove here. And again, at tier 13, once in a while, you'll see like um, the operator will post the store is open and he'll sell some shirts for the season or something like that. Something, mm-hmm. something a little bit different. A dark Flash topic sales. thing might come out or, or something that has to do with Halloween or with Christmas. Um, and we use that money uh, portion of it to do a merch drop for those at tier 13, which is yet to come. Yep. Yeah. And a, a great way to put like just the other day, um, I was like, oh, man. If we open the store for a couple days and people buy before like December 10th, we can guarantee a shipment in the U.S. at least before Christmas. And uh, the way that that happened was uh, I started working with a new a new company, uh, oddly enough, who does like Billie Eilish's 
you know, merch and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So they're very well healed. And uh, they actually approached us and were like, you guys do a lot. And we're like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And we actually, it's a lot, guys. And they're <laughs> so like, well, things are falling you... apart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, how about you let us do all that stuff, dummy? And I was like, okay. And so they do that for us now. And, and I basically get to every once in a while design something because mm -hmm. that's uh, what I went to school for. <laughs> design and i'll send them a our stuff and i'll be like hey let's open the store and then they open the store and um it's it's so easy because and uh, so what i was going to say is we put out a poll <laughs> on patreon and on facebook we're like should we open the store and uh, we got like a thousand people that were like i just paid myself because they were excited that we we're opening mm. the store so that seemed positive but a lot of the comments were like only if it doesn't ruin you yeah. <laughs> or it doesn't affect your relationship or it doesn't affect production of right. shows or anything. And so, yes, I just wanted to make sure everybody knows that thing is on its own rails now. And we're so grateful because people actually want to, I don't know, wear the stuff that we put out and we, we do take time and, you know, we, we care about what we put out there. So yeah. we're grateful, but it, it is a separate track and it doesn't affect and that it, Case in point, we are doing more shows than we've ever done, and right. we do 911 calls and 911 calls plus every week. As a wise man once said, I think the audience wants content more than free t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and just having that that store, I mean, it was, it was no one's ever done that before. And we oh, did we it did twice. The free store. You did it yeah. twice. And uh, uh, <clears throat> now we're in a spot where we, we've, we've really figured it out. Yeah, so I, it is worth it is worth saying because <laughs> I, I had a couple people when I when we just opened the store for the Christmas, you know, and it's still actually still open, right. uh, and you can you can buy things. Uh, we'll probably close it uh, at the end of December, but you can you know it's open, and our top sellers are in there right now. But um, how do they find that? Uh, they go to uh, I'll I'll put a link in the description. Sure. I'll put a link, and, or if you go to 1159media.com, you can click on the store link and it'll redirect you. Uh, so this is worth, this is worth admitting to. Um, you and I, we did a great thing with the free store and we actually did it th what, three times, mm -hmm. three, three times. When we opened the store, we had a free store and the first two times we did it, um, I was really intentional about everything was free. You, you, you got basically two things for free if you were a tier 13 member. Mm -hmm. And then the third time we did it, I did not do the math right. And uh, we opened the free store, but we added hoodies yeah. to the free store. And I did not calculate one. I didn't calculate how big, bulky, and heavy uh, hoodies are uh, also how big, bulky, and heavy two free hoodies are when you ship them to Australia. <laughs> so, uh, and we had people just going crazy, and uh, so we had so many people get free. Huh, huh, I'm embarrassed to say free hoodies, uh, and I was like, this is amazing. And then I started looking at the hard costs of producing hoodies mm -hmm. and then the shipping on it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm totally willing to admit it. I took a $17,000 <laughs> bath in shipping. Yeah. 
$17,000. I it was the biggest horrible mistake and and so I I absorbed that. Yeah. You know, I I I just I I didn't want that to be an 1159 thing and so I just ate that and it hurt so bad. But um I wanted to admit to cuz cuz sometimes you got a good idea and yeah. within within reason that was a great idea and then sure. I miscalculated and suddenly a great idea became an oh no what now? <laughs> yes. And just so, so everyone knows, that's right around the time the operator and I almost broke up. We were like, yeah, we almost broke up. Yeah. yeah. I believe it was also around the time. No, it was post heart attack. So yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. It's so been a year. It's all a that year. Uh, We're figuring all that stuff out. It's nobody's fault but our own. We're, we're figuring yeah. it out. But but we do have tier 13 now figured out. We, we're really yeah. happy with what we got going on at the $5 tier of Patreon. We've already talked about that. It's it's great. We, we think that that's extreme value at the $5 tier. And then at 13, two dark topics, exclusive every month, <clears throat> dark meets where we get to meet up. And then we just do a store opening once in a while. Take take the profit from that. Try to cauterize that massive wound <laughs> and use some of that money to do merch drops once in a yeah. while. Something that we decide to do. It might be a pin. It might be a sticker. It might be whatever. Right whistle. <laughs> yeah, we have everyone's address at thirteen. We'll start sending stuff out to you once in a while when we have uh, the money, which which will start coming from these uh, store openings. Anyways, yeah, we, we're being completely that, open here. We are, but I think that's fun. I mean, you know, it, uh, I I've never heard of anybody grossly miscalculating that bad, <laughs> and it's it's a conversation starter. It's so funny. It's funny now. now. <laughs> It's funny now. Boy, did it hurt. Boy, did it hurt. And also, like, just keeping a straight face when people mm-hmm. were like, where's my free stuff? You know, because things get lost when over the ocean, yeah, you yeah. know. And so, all you know, I had all these communications with people. Um, not a lot. I mean, we had, like, almost 4,000 orders go out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a handful, you know, the USPS lost a couple. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. And so, but, but every, every, the, every conversation, I just loved having the conversations with you. And hopefully I never came across as like broken. <laughs> <laughs> you mean with the audience or with me? Yeah. With the audience or yeah. with anybody in cut, you know, where I was trying to do customer support right, right, for right. your hoodies. <laughs> what a time we're out though now. Yeah, and now we're being we very consistent. I'm so excited about it. I think, I think everybody just really wants consistent content. I think it's very key. And, and uh, you're gonna get it. It's a lot of fun. I'm having a blast, and and okay. it feels so good to be doing just this. If like this is this th- that's the answer to all this is this is where I want to be writing, researching, doing these shows with you, mm-hmm. and being able to it. It feels so amazing to go from feeling this soul crushing like how am I gonna get another episode out, and then it pooping out like once every three mo- three weeks or a month. To where we're at now, where I've got gas in the tank for not only all the nine one ones, but then all the plus episodes. I just I'm loving where I'm at. I'm loving that we're doing this, and this is just so fun. Yeah, genuinely, I feel like we're in the best spot that we've ever been in, and we've been doing this for a little while together now. But the, we're just starting. We really are just starting. Uh, can are. I plug Dark Topic here real quick? Heck yeah! <clears throat> I just put out an episode, and I made a joke about it earlier about the Zodiac Killer. But I had an interview with one of the case breakers. This is um, Jennifer. Oh, my God. I just forgot her name. Jennifer Bucholtz, who is one of the case breakers, one of 40 from this group, the case breakers. They they take the time. It's FBI agents and 
investigative reporters and former law enforcement officers who have this group where they take on cases that they, that have kind of been given up on. There's no time, mm-hmm. say, for the Zodiac case anymore, right? Right. So they believe that they've solved who the Zodiac killer is. And I'm not saying that they have, but what I am saying is that you should listen to the Dark Topic episode I just put out where I interviewed Jennifer Buchholz, who was part of this casebreaker group. And there's some very compelling, in my opinion, evidence that they have found the right guy. And uh, it's on the most recent episode of Dark Topic. They are getting a lot of negative feedback from the true crime community, from other true crime podcasters, and just from people in general saying, like, you guys haven't figured out what you think that he's got scarring on his head. Uh, that makes him the Zodiac Killer. Oh, he's got he's got um, paint on the watch that was left at the Sherry Joe Bates scene. Uh, and he was a painter. Give me a break. People are trying to pick this apart in a way that is completely unfair. It's almost like people don't want this to be solved. It's almost like, yeah. this, like <clears throat> they're and people have their guy that they think did it. And they're being resistant to it, too. All the case breakers are saying is that we have some very compelling evidence. We've only given you 10% of what we have. Documentaries are about to come out. That And a book is about to come out where they give you the other 90% of what they've got. Wow. And I'm privy to some of that information. I'm telling you that I think that they've got the guy. Is uh, Check it out for yourself. I'm super excited. And actually, I haven't listened to the episode yet because... I wanted to see if there was anything you wanted to share on this. Uh, and I did. I have a hundred questions, but I'm going to save them now for listening to the episode. And um, check it out. The most recent episode of Dark Topic, if you're interested in hearing uh, all, some, some of the reasons why they think that they've got the right guy in a Gary Francis post. I'm excited for that. Okay, well... Now that you know our financial situation, I figure it's time for us to wrap up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hugs, everybody.